Group of Five Live is sponsored by American Betting Experts, one of the largest sports and casino vendors in the United States. We've teamed together to provide special gaming offers to all Landry Football Conference Call podcast listeners. Here's what you do. Go to our website, LandryFootball.com. Click on the ad located on the upper right side. Pick among the gaming sites legal in your state, such as BetMGM, DraftKings, FanDuel, and PointsBet. Sign up and instantly receive an account deposit match or risk-free bet from $100 to $1,000. It's that easy. Again, go to LandryFootball.com, click on the ad located on the upper right side of the page, and get in on the action with a special offer from American betting experts. Group of five, group of five live. Group of five, group of five live. Are we talking about the American? Yeah. C-U-S-A. USA. Yeah. Mac. Mac. Yeah. Mountain West. Yeah. And the Sun Belt. Oh, yeah. Group of five, group of five live. 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 Group of five live is part of the Landry Football Network. My name's Chris Mykoski, and this show, as you can tell by the name, is dedicated to teams that play in group of five conferences. The forgotten teams in a large sense. And certainly forgotten by the college football playoff selection committee. Just want to scream in frustration after seeing the new rankings come out with Iowa State at number seven over Cincinnati at number eight. And even more frustrating with Coastal Carolina at number 13. There is just no decent explanation for Iowa State being above those two teams. Coastal Carolina especially needs to be higher. Just a transitive property. Iowa State lost to the Raging Cajuns handily. The Cajuns won that game in a convincing manner in Ames. And it's almost like, well, it is like. It never happened. It's completely forgotten about. So the Cajuns beat Iowa State. Coastal Carolina beats the Cajuns. Still unbeaten. You add in a top 25 win over BYU. (laughs) A game that came together in just a matter of days. And Coastal Carolina wins that game, taking on the best challenge they could possibly ask for. You want teams to bulk up their schedules so they're supposedly worthy of CFP consideration. 
Coastal Carolina's schedule, it does that. And I know their one out-of-conference win was over a terrible, their other big out-of-conference win, rather, was over a terrible Kansas team. Can't do anything about that. You wish Kansas was better. I never, oh, that is a phrase you would, it, it, it felt strange coming out of my mouth. I started college at Missouri. It was embedded into our brains to, <laughs> to hate all things Jayhawk. But for Coastal Carolina's sake, you would have liked to seen Kansas win some ball games this year. But nonetheless, the Sun Belt was 3-0 and against the Big 12. And that is just absolutely ignored by the college football playoff selection committee. Now, nobody, it's just impossible. I know it's impossible for a group of five team to get into the playoff. It's never going to happen. And clearly, this year has shown us that it's just impossible. I'll include a, a link in the show notes to Pat Forty's column saying that the headline is, there's never room for a non-Power 5 team in the playoff, and that is abundantly clear. But beyond that point, it just makes zero sense to me. How in the world can Iowa State your quality wins are all against Big 12 teams that are bad. Oklahoma is their only calling card. And that could get reversed, and then this takes care of itself, and Iowa State will shoot you know, a little further down. But all their other wins, it's Big 12 teams that are not very good. And the Sun Belt Conference – went three and oh against the big 12. I, I know overall the strength of the league, the American is supposedly better than the Sun Belt, but in this particular year, I'm not sure that's the case. And Coastal Carolina, given their resume, I think Coastal Carolina is the top group of five team. I think the shots should be the ones going to a new year's six bowl game and you know i'm going against my supposed bias because if you have looked at my bio uh i'm going to grad school currently (laughs) through the university of cincinnati so if anything i should be biased for the bearcats but I think the shots have made their case. You know, they still have a couple of more potential stumbling blocks. Uh, biggest of which is they have a rematch with the Raging Cajuns. That'll be next week. And we'll obviously uh, preview that in detail on next week's show. But barring Cincinnati losing to Tulsa, which could happen, certainly. Tulsa could beat Cincinnati next week. Originally, it looked like it was going to be Tulsa versus Cincinnati in consecutive weeks, once in the regular season, then again in a conference championship game. But because of COVID issues with the Bearcats, 
the regular season game for this weekend had to be canceled. So they hope everything is right in the UC camp by next week. And they'll play the lone matchup between the Golden Hurricane and the Bearcats next Saturday night. If Tulsa pulls the upset, then Coastal Carolina will have the opportunity, given that they win their final two games, to be the Group of Five representative in a New Year's Six bowl game. It is strange right now talking about the fact that bowl games begin next weekend. So we're going to have teams rock up their regular season schedules and immediately go into postseason mode. There won't be any break. And it's probably a good thing because these bowl games are not going to be as all-inclusive as they normally are with sightseeing and activities and banquets. It's go in and play a football game. It's basically another road game. So SMU right now has one of the best deals for them as they'll be able to wrap things up and send everybody home for Christmas because they are playing in the Frisco Bowl on next Saturday, Saturday the 19th. So that's only about 45 minutes north of campus. So don't have to travel. Opponent TBD, uh, the SMU release said it would be likely out of Conference USA. So they'll await that opponent that'll be named likely by Saturday night. And that team will have a week to get ready for a bowl game. It's not going to be a drawn out thing this year. Uh, Central Florida will also, also knows its uh, bowl destination already. The Knights will play in the Boca Raton Bowl. Another short trip for them. So those are the only two officially out right now for a group of five teams. Most of that information will roll in this weekend, and then the final bids will be decided. Um, should be by the end of the weekend, all of them, uh, by next weekend, excuse me. Um, most of them will be figured out by the end of this weekend. Then next weekend, once the conference championship games are played, the final uh, destinations will be decided. But a lot of those games will happen in that week immediately following the conference championship game. So you're going to have to identify teams that are out of that race that aren't going to be playing in those conference title games, and they will quickly get going. Again, the Frisco Bowl on Saturday the 19th, opposite on television, same time as the American championship and the SEC championship. So will the Frisco Bowl, will the Mustangs and whoever they're playing have any eyeballs on them? No. <laughs> It'll be an extremely limited audience. I, I still have no comprehension of why ESPN decided to place the Frisco Bowl in that time slot on that night. I think, I know you got to get bowl games started, but there is a wide gap between the games on New Year's Day. And I think maybe there's one on the second or the third, but then there's a, a wide gap after that until the uh, CFP championship. So put it on that week 
And the, the Frisco Bowl normally has to be played as one of the earliest ones because there's a turnaround uh, for the stadium that normally also hosts the FCS championship game in January. So the Frisco Bowl has to get out of the way. FCS championship moves in. But in this case, this year, the FCS championship won't be until the spring. So that gave you freedom to put the Frisco Bowl after New Year's if you so so decided. But again, they left it on the same night as conference championship games. Very strange. But enough about that. I will stop complaining, at least for now. Let's get into the spotlight game for this week. It's San Jose State versus Nevada. Friday night, 8 o'clock Mountain, 7 Pacific. And this is a San Jose State home game. But the Spartans are displaced. So they're going to be playing against Nevada in the state of Nevada. It'll be played at Sam Boyd Stadium in Las Vegas. The winner of this one clinches one of the two spots in the Mountain West Conference championship game. The play-by-play voice of the Spartans is Justin Allegri. Justin, we've talked with other announcers who's who have teams that have had really difficult seasons, obviously, but San Jose State may top them all, just considering everything that you guys have had to do as far as moving training camp, uh, having a couple of games canceled, having a home game move to Hawaii. So just take us through, just from your point of view, how difficult this has been to do your job well and how tough it's been on the players and coaches. I mean, my job has not been remotely as difficult as the coaches and the players' jobs have. I mean, like you mentioned, it's not only the move to to move training camp, but it was a a six-hour bus ride. You couldn't take a flight up to where they were going. They had to take a bus. They had to live in the dorms. Some of the coaches were sleeping on the floor because some of the, the, the beds in the dorms weren't, weren't ready. They weren't prepared for that type of, of a move. Uh, and they couldn't go anywhere into town. And then they come back and it's limited here, limited there. You, you're practicing in cohorts. Uh, and then the season starts and wins start to happen. And the Spartans were avoiding cancellations. And, and then it finally hit them. And it wasn't on the Spartan side of things. So they feel like they've, they've done everything that they've needed to do to play every game and even that's out of their control. Um, I think only two games so far have not been changed or delayed or canceled or postponed this season. And then the culmination of it is, is, you know, you expect to have two final home games of the year against Hawaii and Nevada. And now you're playing a road game in Honolulu and then relocating your entire operations to Las Vegas and playing a, a neutral site game that technically is a home game this team has been resilient, and I, and I know that's kind of a cliche, but you have to be. And the coaching staff has been so positive to try and eliminate any negative thoughts or attitudes from this team, and, and they've been successful at it. And when you talk about from my perspective, I mean, it, it's fun to cover this team, but the access just isn't there this year. Sure, you know, I, I, I can't talk to a guy at practice about what he's working on, uh, and that's hard because – so much of the broadcast is, is those in-depth conversations that you try to translate to fans. And 
that level is just not there this year. It's a little odd, but you know, we're working through it and, and making the most out of it. Yeah. I, I imagine it's a lot tougher on a hometown play play by play guy than it is on somebody like me who drops in and does a neutral broadcast. Cause I can, you know, get the basics and cover everything pretty well. But when you have to go so deep because those dedicated listeners are there with you every week, repeating the same information just will not do. They want to hear new stuff every single time. Right. And it's, it's not so much that you you look at the press release and the the notes from, from a given outlet or, or a school and fans read that too. So our job as a home radio crew is to give something beyond that. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's more challenging. You you can do zoom calls, you can do phone calls, but it's just not the same as being there and witnessing practice and evaluating certain elements of the game yourself. And then developing kind of the narrative of the storyline for a given player or a position group or the the team for the season. Um, But it, it really does kind of make you, make you challenge yourself about how you can take it to the next level for the fans to get that, that engagement uh, and get something more out of it. So, I mean, it's been fun just, just because it is different and, and a winning season is always fun, but it certainly has been a challenge. <laughs> well, now that you're five and O the Spartans are five and O and all five of those games coming with double figure differences I know it's kind of hard to measure because you haven't had the outside competition beyond the Mountain West. You haven't faced Boise potentially yet. And obviously Nevada is going to be a great challenge. Given all that, to this point, how good is the San Jose State team? How would you rank them up against some of the better teams you've seen over the years? You know, from a San Jose State perspective, this is probably the best group that I've seen since 2012. And I wasn't the broadcaster back then, but that was a team that went to the Military Bowl. Uh, They finished the season ranked. I think it was 24th in the country. They they finished off um, and double-digit win season. So great, great year. In terms of the, the historic years in Spartan history, that's one that's up there. And this team has every bit of the talent that that team had. Um, the, the thing that I look at from this team when you compare them to the team a year ago, because there's a lot of the same personnel. The team last year, the offense was great. We knew the offense would be good this year, even with a different quarterback. Last year, Josh Love, who was the Mountain West Offensive Player of the Year. Offense was good. The defense, to me, was the question mark. And that's what's been the big improvement this year, and it has put them in spots to win games. Last year, the Spartan defense affected games by individual performances here and there. This year, they're winning games with their defense as an overall group, um, we're, we're seeing more blitz packages that are different looks, whether it's three down linemen, four down linemen, nobody down in a three point stance. They're disguising things well. They're putting pressure on quarterbacks and they're stopping the run. Uh, and that's the sign to me that this team has made the full transition over to a complete roster and that they can win games if they need to in the air with the passing game. They can win it on the ground with the complimentary running game and they can make it challenging for an opposing team to try and score on the Spartans. And uh, that, that to me is, is the sign of balance and, and something moving forward that's exciting to look for. You mentioned the new challenges for you in the position. You know, looking historically and the last time San Jose State was 6-0 in the conference, which you have a chance to do this weekend back in 1990, are you making calls to people who were involved back then to kind of talk about what the team was like when they went six and zero back then, and the chance that for the Spartans to to meet that mark? 
you know, I haven't I haven't talked to anybody from the 1990 season. I know a couple of names from that team, and I've talked to them in the past. But what this season has done is it's rejuvenated that 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 energy that is around the program because there, there's a lot of fans of San Jose State Athletics, and there's certainly a lot of alums that maybe have been disconnected over the last six, seven years, or even more than that. Um, and, you know, they always say wins, wins turn things around and you can look at that from a certain lens, but it's true. I mean, people like to come when, when the team is winning and, mm -hmm. uh, now we're seeing that and we're seeing more alumni, you know, emailing and, and sending, sending notes here and there, texting and, and talking to our coaches, talking to our players, interacting on social media. And it just helps build that brand when, as the Spartans trying to make a sustainable team and program, you, you need that backing from donors and from uh, alumni. And that's something normally you'd be able to translate into butt, butts and seats. And that's exactly, exactly. the hardest part in all this, keeping everybody engaged when that's just not possible. Yeah. And our digital media team does a phenomenal job putting out content left and right. And, you know, it, it's, it's enough to, uh, to, call me appetites but i guess you know if you're a diehard fan you want to be there and you sure. can't this year so uh, it's been tough i think for our fan base because this is a historic season they want to be there in person but they can't be so uh, but it gives you a better chance to connect with fans i mean yeah. even thinking about last week with the game moved to hawaii and the fact that it was only available via pretty obscure app on the mainland. <laughs> oh, right. I mean, that, that is the, you know, the mountain West I've, I've long criticized, you know, and they don't, they don't care what I think, but it's ridiculous how hard it is to get some of these games. Oh, I mean, I to know. have to download the team one sports app, which nobody has, it's generally, as far as I can tell, it's generally high school sports yes. on there yes. yet. They throw Hawaii home games that are pay-per-view out of the Island. It's, so it's, it's so strange. So I, I, you know, and, and I, every year I go through this, trying to understand what those, those broadcasts are. This was the first year that I realized it was $70 a game. If you're on the islands to yeah. watch, I mean, just there, it's like, the whoa, prices whoa. on the Island for everything yeah. <laughs> is ridiculous. <laughs> I mean, I know gas and milk and sure, all of sure. that. And then you throw on a $70 football yeah. stream yeah and, and you know and, and like you're mentioning you, you download the app and even if you can understand how to get it to your phone or ipad you can't get it on a computer you yep. can't get it on a, on, a, on a roku or anything like that it, it's it's very challenging um and i and i think that's frustrating for fans because fans nowadays they're conditioned they're yeah. it's going to be on a tv somewhere how the mountain west has not got that under control i just i just don't understand it's absolutely bizarre um, and you know, would have been the same arrangement, I think, even if the game had been in San Jose, which is yeah, yeah. very strange. Yeah. Um, all right. Enough complaining about Mountain West <laughs> broadcast, uh, rights, but I want to talk a little bit about Nick Starkle and just this bizarre journeyman life that he has had since leaving high school starter at A&M, yeah. Arkansas, and now San Jose State, but it's, it is amazing that he's been able to break through. It's not like he's been some bench warmer looking for playing time. He has been elevated to a starting job everywhere he's been. Yep. And, and his story about how he came to San Jose State is a really unique one because, like you say, he's got the SEC starting pedigree. Obviously, a team like San Jose State would love to have a, an SEC starter. So how do the Spartans get him? Well, 
he went to a, a football camp down in Southern California, and it happened to be that Josh Love, the Spartans quarterback from last year, was there. They developed a relationship. They kept in contact over the season. They knew they were going to play one another. Uh, San Jose State went to, to Fayetteville last year, and uh, that continued to grow. And then when it came time for, for Josh to move on via graduation, the opportunity was there for Nick to, to make his way over to San Jose, and he loved the program, the coaching staff, and everything. And to his credit, I mean, if you're an SEC starter and you come to San Jose State or a, a, a group of five school, you're probably expecting you're going to start. He came into San Jose State and he said, I got to win the job. And I think that won over the team, won over the coaching staff. It certainly developed the relationship that he has with our second quarterback, Nick Nash. And it's been fun to watch. I mean, he's such a positive guy and just a good dude that's out there and he loves playing football and he does it the right way. And his similarities with Josh Love made it so much easier for him to transition into the role with the offense that the Spartans run. And that's why you see him be able to hit the ground running without a lot of spring ball and with, with you know, modified fall camp. Uh, and he came out of the shoots firing. Who among the skill players has excited you more than anybody? I know Trey Walker's kind of the name that's out there and, you know, he's up for some national awards, but you're watching this team every single game you're locked in. When they touch the football, who uh, really lights your eyes up? You know, Trey Walker is is the first guy that comes to mind just, just because you can throw a ball in his general vicinity and he's going to make an effort to try and get it. And oftentimes he does. I mean, he makes catches where there's just no business. He could, he could pull that ball down. That's the fun side of Trey to watch. Uh, Bailey Gaither has been an, a tremendous wide receiver for San Jose State, probably the fastest guy on the field when he's out there. He's dealt through so many injuries in his Spartan career. This is his sixth season with San Jose State. He's had Achilles problems. He's had uh, hamstring pulls. He's had all this stuff, a long, long list of injuries, but he's persevered and he's been uh, a real, real bright spot for San Jose State. And He's always got that ability to, to rip off a 70-yard play just because he can take the top off uh, against an opposing defense. And then Derek Deese, too, I think has really developed nicely. Um, he's got the body type that profiles as an NFL tight end, and he's playing like one. Uh, he's really improved on his, his blocking ability on the line in addition to his pass-catching ability. And he's he's been dynamic and another weapon that the Spartans can use. And when those three guys are on the field, uh, any one of them at any point in time can can help you get the ball down the field, get a big first down, get a big touchdown. So it adds to the dimensions that the Spartans can use in the offense. Nevada, what uh, worries you most about what they're going to bring to the table, a team that's uh, beat the Spartans three times in a row? Yeah, I think this is the best offense the Spartans will see this year. And I know the defense has done their job. They, they've they've put up the good numbers. They're getting to the quarterback. But this is the biggest challenge that, that a team will have on the offensive side of the football. They bring in Carson Strong, who has such a great, great pass completion percentage. It's, uh, I think, about 70 uh, touchdowns, long passes. He's got, he's got weapons on the outside and dubs and Horton. Um, this is by far the, the biggest challenge that the Spartan defense will have. And, uh, you know, I think some have said that the Spartans haven't been challenged enough this year. And are those defensive numbers a little inflated or, or you know, they're, they're not a true reflection of how the Spartans have played. I think the Spartan defense is pretty darn good, uh, but it'll be the biggest test coming up uh, tomorrow. When you look at the Mountain West championship, a chance to clinch a spot, in that 
um, <laughs> you would be in line to host, I'd assume. Yeah. So yeah. do you go just do it in Vegas again? Is that just the permanent uh, temporary home, I suppose? So so the way that Santa Clara County, where the Spartans play, uh, they, they cannot come back to the county if they have traveled outside of 150 miles. If they oh do, they have to quarantine for two weeks. So if you got on that flight to Hawaii, it was a commitment to at least three weeks away from home wow. and then a two-week quarantine when you came back. So the Spartans are in Las Vegas. If they win this game, you're right. They'll host the Mountain West Conference Championship game, and the host site will be Sam Boyd Stadium in Las Vegas. Uh, if, if they win that, they'll go to a bowl, and they'll continue their prep for that bowl from Las Vegas. Well, win or lose, I assume they'd be in a bowl game. Yeah, that, that's uh, so, true, too. Yeah, I mean, that, so they're, they're basically in Vegas until they come home from the bowl game. Right. And, and I think I think the Houston. longest they could be down there, I think one of the bowl ties is either December 30th or the 31st. Mm -hmm. So that would be, you know, they'd, they'd come back on the first or, or second, something like that um, to San Jose and they'd have to quarantine for two weeks. <laughs> how, how is this working with basketball? I mean, they're they're having the same the same rules and obviously normally. Uh, Spartan basketball team would be jumping back and forth. So are they in the same situation? There are more opportunities and arenas to play within that 150 mile radius that they could come back. So, so for example, yesterday, the, the Spartan basketball team started their season. They had four or five cancellations uh, in Santa Cruz, which is 30 some miles away from San Jose. So they were able to go over there, play, come back because it's a different County. Uh, the football team didn't have that luxury because the football stadiums available to them are all within uh, the county or uh, unavailable for other reasons. Uh, mm -hmm. Cal is playing their home games. You know, there, there are other, other spots. So it was either make those changes and, and move out of state or not. Now, when it comes to conference play for basketball, that's where the travel element hurts because right now the Spartan basketball team can stay within the guidelines of the 150 miles. They can play local teams but when they have to travel to Utah State on the 21st, they're going to have to also relocate. So, and we don't know where that is yet. Um, wow. Yeah, uh, it, it's and we we've seen New Mexico have to do it. Uh, they're they're going to play their men's basketball from Lubbock, Texas. Yes. Um, it's and it's, the New Mexico Bowl is 15 minutes from my front door in Frisco. So <laughs> it's all you need to know about the the, the wild elements to college sports is that the Maui Invitational was played in North Carolina this year. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> Maui Invitational in Asheville, Fr uh, New Mexico Bowl in Frisco. At least they didn't call the Fenway Bowl the Fenway Bowl when they moved it to Montgomery. Right, I right, mean, it's... Right. Gosh, I was talking with uh, the Stanford broadcaster who he said, look, we were doing a Stanford basketball game at the Maui Invitational from North Carolina, and I was doing it from Palo Alto. <laughs> TV. Bizarro world, Justin. Yes, yes, it, is. But, uh, yes it is. You know, I, I appreciate you telling us how you've negotiated this strange time. And, uh, you know, normally I'd be saying, I hope you have a really nice bowl destination so you can see some sights and enjoy yourself. But wherever you go, it's probably just hotel and stadium. Yeah. So it yep. doesn't really matter. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's definitely different, but uh, we're making do. We're making do. And I appreciate uh, you, you having me on. 
the Spartans and Wolfpack get started at 7 o'clock Pacific time, 8 o'clock Mountain, Friday night at Sam Boyd Stadium in Las Vegas. It's on CBS Sports Network, and Justin will have the call on KDOW 1220 AM with Kevin Richardson alongside to provide color commentary. Well, my favorite part of the show is our picks with the preschooler. Austin Thomas is back. You ready to make some picks? Yeah. Okay. We pick one game from each of the group of five leagues, and we will start in the Mountain West with the game we just got finished talking about with Justin. It is Nevada versus San Jose State. The Wolfpack at six and one. The Spartans are five and oh. That game is a two point spread. San Jose State is the favorite. But again, just to make perfectly clear, Austin does not pick against the spread. He goes straight up. We do not make him worry about the money line as a four and a half year old. So, Austin, let's get started. Again, Mountain West game Nevada versus San Jose State in Las Vegas. Nevada or San Jose State? Say it loud. San Jose State. Say it louder, please, into the microphone. San Jose State. Okay, the Spartans to win on a Friday night in Las Vegas. Let's go from the Mountain West to the Sun Belt Conference. And let's see, which game do we want to pick here? I think Coastal is probably going to roll over Troy pretty easily. So let's look at Appalachian State versus Georgia Southern, six o'clock Eastern, five o'clock Central on Saturday on ESPN3. App State, a nine and a half point favorite. All right, one more time, Austin. Appalachian State or Georgia Southern? Southern. Say it into the microphone, please. Southern. Okay. The Eagles to win that ball game. It would be a, well, bit of an upset with, again, App State, a nine and a half point favorite. Let's move to the MAC and Ohio and Kent State among the COVID cancellations in that league. A few games with rather large point spreads, including Buffalo, a 32 and a half point favorite at home versus Akron. The tightest line is between Western Michigan and Ball State. Both of those teams are four and one. That is a noon Eastern start time on ESPN Plus on Saturday. Austin, Western Michigan or Ball State? I think Western. I think Michigan. Western Michigan. Okay. Let's check out Conference USA. Friday night, only one game on the schedule after Charlotte versus Marshall was canceled. So North Texas and UTEP is a Friday night game in Denton. North Texas is a 10-point favorite in that one. Another interesting game, Louisiana Tech did not get assigned a conference game here. They were on hold, and I actually was on hold to go to Ruston and call a Bulldogs game against opponent TBD. But as it turns out, La Tech will play at TCU on Saturday night. But I think the game to pick is UAB 
versus Rice. The Blazers are a seven-point favorite in Houston. Noon Central on ESPN3. Austin, Blazers or Owls? Blazers! The Blazers to win in Houston, so says the preschooler. And we will finish things off in the American Cincinnati and Tulsa. We set off the top of the show. That game has been canceled. As far as their regular season matchups, they will play in the American Conference Championship game next weekend in Cincinnati. Houston and Memphis is only a five-point spread. The Cougars, five-point favorites at the Liberty Bowl. But the game we have to pick, of course, it's America's game. And Navy, out of the American taking on independent army and this year the army navy game will be played in west point army a seven point favorite austin army or navy army army the black knights to win in west point three eastern two central on cbs austin Thank you very much for making picks with me. Anything else you want to say? Ohio, wumbly do 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 Is that gibberish? Yes. That doesn't really work well in a podcast. People need to understand you. <laughs> you have anything that people would understand? I don't. Okay, you want to sing the theme song? Group of five, the group of five live. Group of, group of, group of five live. Group of five live is part of the Landry Football Network. Be sure to subscribe to Landry Football's conference call wherever you get podcasts. <laughs> That's, can I watch it? Can I watch it? We can watch it. We will just see you again, or talk to you again, rather, next week, Conference Championship Week. Also, bowl games involving oh, group of five yeah. teams on the same weekend. So, bizarro, final week of the regular season, and bowl games on the same day. Bizarro. It is kind of bizarro. We will talk to you then. Don't forget to take advantage of our special gaming offer from American betting experts. Go to LandryFootball.com. Click on the ad located on the upper right side of the page. Pick among the gaming sites legal in your state. Sign up and instantly receive an account deposit match or risk-free bet from $100 to $1,000. It's that easy. Thanks to our sponsor, American betting experts.